Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris or VeloSos and today is Sober 50 Thursday. Get ready to meet a So Over 50 follower, Sarah Mee. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. A big sponsor shout out goes to our two podcast friends and sponsors. The Australian Sewing Guild, who has been our Monday Daily Series regular, is now a sponsor of Sew Organised Style Podcast. Go to ozsew.org to check out the online workshops, sew-alongs, skills library and more. Our second sponsor is Tatiana's School of Couture as she launches it online. Go to her website to see her new online sewing classes and patterns. Thanks for joining us on Sabbath 50 Thursday today. Our guest has shown us her sewing studio both on her Instagram account and on her YouTube account. It's Sarah Mee and she's joining us from the state. So let's give her a warm welcome. Hi, Sarah Mee. Hello. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's really great that you're here. And I mean, I've seen a lot of the work that you do and you make it so accessible and so fun. So tell us about your Instagram name. Oh, my Instagram name is So So Live, which is also the name of my YouTube channel. And I try and keep things really simple. But I do have other things like patterns under So So Patterns. I think my business website is So So Dot Live. So it's all about the same. There's a lot of businesses and Instagram handles that start with the word So. So I know that it's not very unique, but that is why I titled it that So So Live because I live stream on YouTube. Can you describe to our listeners where you live? I live in California. I'm definitely one of those fire-prone areas, and I don't need to you know, tell you about all the details of that. I'm sure you guys know. The area I live in is very agriculturally rich, so there's almonds, walnuts, lots of stone fruits, olives are grown here, and there's a lot of agriculture surrounding it. Rice, rice is a really big crop here as well. So it's a very hot, dry valley and we're about an hour and a half north of Sacramento in Chico, which is also a college town, right up like against the Sierra Nevada mountain range. It sounds like a wonderful area. It's beautiful. It's very classic California. I like to think of it as definitely like the Western movies you see. That's kind of what the landscape is like. That's a lot of the, the history when, you know, white people came to this area, there was a lot of gold digging and things like that. You know, this would have been part of that region where gold was being mined or panned. So let's get on to how you started sewing. I started sewing very grudgingly in high school. I couldn't get out of the elective that they gave me. I got out of it one year. And the next year I couldn't get out of it. It was the only thing available in that time slot. And I was very petulant about it. I've grown since then. I don't think of it this way, but I was probably 14 years old and I thought it was very girly. I just had this very strange perception about sewing that it was very girly. I was very much a tomboy growing up. 
And I don't know why I had something against that, but I, I did. I just didn't want to. So, and I wanted to do other things, but there just weren't other electives that were available in that time slot. I think the first time it was home ec, and then the next time it was just straight up sewing. And I learned that I really like the engineering side of things. That's what I would call it now is thinking of the garment inside out, how things go together. I really liked thinking about better ways to put the garment together, even though my experience was very limited at that time. I stayed in high school sewing for the rest of my high school years. I probably did that for three, three and a half years in high school. Once you finished high school, what then happened with your sewing? So um, after high school, I went into fashion design school. I wanted to learn about pattern drafting. That's really what attracted me to it. I knew that I wasn't probably going to sew for a living, but I definitely found that the engineering, pattern drafting, sizing, all that was just so intriguing to me. I think looking back now, a high school counselor probably today in 2020 would probably say, hey, there's these other fields like engineering you could go into, but they didn't really offer women that in high school. I didn't know there was that option. And so I found it in fashion design. And I really loved that. I focused on the production emphasis of things, but I still did all of the fashion design classes because they didn't have a specific production emphasis degree. So it is a fashion design degree. I was terrible at sketching, <laughs> but I did love all the pattern drafting, draping, grading, all that stuff. That was very fun and easy. All the prototypes I had to sew for my assignments. That was great. I was just sketching that I really suffered at. I still do. But yeah, so that's when I went into college and I worked at like a little mom and pop place while I was in college. And I've never not worked somehow in garment industry, sewing industry, the outdoor industry, or um, anything related to it. I've definitely always found a way to be involved or working in it. There's been a few brief things I've done outside of it, but I was usually sewing personally then if I was, and it was very brief stints that I wasn't in it. So yeah, I've always been here since I was probably 14 years old. There's still so much more to learn and do too. There is. There's always the technology behind fabrics and how we can use those to do the pieces of work that we love doing. Yeah, absolutely. Technology has impacted the fabrics that we have available and after working in the outdoor industry, I can tell you that textile science, it's its own branch. And there was textile science at my college, but it wasn't anything like what you'd see for outdoor fabrics and functional fabrics. It's basically a chemical degree. I mean, I think about knits. When knits first came out, I was not, you know, alive. But at the same time, I've seen those knits. They were not what they are today. They've come a long way. You wouldn't even have liked to use them then, but they were revolutionary at the same time. Stretch wovens where I was around for when that came out. That was pretty amazing. Reflective fabrics, waterproof fabrics, breathable, that coated fabrics. You know, you're talking about all synthetic mostly though. So there's that kind of environmental impact that you have to consider. There are lots of really great pluses with that, especially in conjunction with the medical field. Some of these companies have really developed some things that I don't know what came first, the medical industry or the fabric industry in some of these cases, but they've definitely directly benefited saving lives. So there's some good things with it too. Can't live without plastics. 
but it'd be nice if we left, lived with a lot less of it. With a saying that you do, what have been your most treasured makes? Treasured makes? I'm not very sentimental. I'll just be honest. I'm not very sentimental. The fires in our area, you know, I have to have a go bag. My parents lost their home in a fire almost two years ago. My brother did too. I live in one of those areas that, you know, we've evacuated twice in the last couple months. We've had our power cut four times for preventative. And um, I do think about this. What do I want to grab? And I don't think anything I've sewn is in there. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy. I didn't make my wedding dress my friend did. It has been pulled out and it's here at my office. So I don't have to worry about that. It's the only thing probably. So as far as treasured makes, I didn't even make that thing. Well, I have a couple of treasured things that are sewn, but they weren't sewn by me. I do have this cat. Oh, they were both made by me. That's true. One of them was I was five years old and I hand stitched a cat face on a piece of burlap as at school. Like it was just one of the things they had us do at school and it's super funky. My mom has had it framed on her wall forever and a quilt. This is going to be kind of weird, but this fabric store, when I applied for a job there, their entry was they gave you a paper bag, like just this nondescript kind of very faded pastel printed flat bag. And you had to make something with it when you turned in your application. I was new to the town. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a job. And I am so task oriented. It's almost just not funny at all. I was like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> you know, I was all about having an assignment. And I came back the next day and I said, oh, can I have another bag? And they were like, oh, did you mess up? I said, no, I just need more. And they were (laughs) like, okay, you know? So I don't know how I did it because I look at this now and I've been dabbling in quilting and I know how hard it is. I find quilting kind of hard. Even though the the paper was very subtly printed and and very, very, not very different hues, I picked apart all the little colors and I made a quilt that the pieces were tiny, like the, they were like the squares that were pieced were probably less than a half inch total. And I made in that little quilt, an envelope, and I quilted the top of my resume and cover letter and I slipped it inside and I handed it in. Well, the owner hired me. She wasn't hiring at the time, but she hired me. And she said, you know, I don't usually give these, these projects back, but I'm giving yours back. And uh, so I think you should keep this. And I gave it to my mom and she framed that too. When my mom and dad lost their home two years ago, they didn't get out with very much. They were ready. They had their go bags. They had all their important papers. They really didn't think they wouldn't be back. And she grabbed those two things. And so they are now hanging in my house. They're actually here at my office because I'm so paranoid. They're off the wall right now since it's fire season. (laughs) They're here because now I feel very much responsible for these two things. So I made both those things without thinking very much about them, but they are very treasured and they represent a lot to me even more now that my mom saved them. I'm trying not to get emotional because it really shocked me when she showed me. I didn't know for like six weeks probably that she had rescued that she waited until 
my brother and sister were visiting for the holidays. My brother was here, but my sister was visiting for the holidays and she sat us all down on the couch and she says, okay, I have one more gift. You know, we all opened our Christmas gifts over New Year's because my sister was visiting after Christmas. And she said, oh, I have one more gift for you guys, which made me really nervous. When your mom sits you down on the couch side by side, you know, something's going to happen. <laughs> and she handed me those and I lost it. Like for me, that was, that was hard. The fact that she saved that, you know, like it was just hard seeing her. It's hard seeing your parents go through that. That's all I'll say. You all know that. <laughs> so, yeah. And she said, I do not want those back. Like she, she didn't want the burden of having them anymore. So I have those now. So it, it's making me emotional. Oh, just hearing it. It really is. The fact that, you know, your mom has had saved those two pieces for you. I've walked by those two things hung in her house for decades. They've been there. The paper quilt I did in my 20s was 25. And the, who knows when I did that cat, I was probably five years old, you know, so, you know, and it is pretty goofy. But yeah, she handed me those and that I haven't cried like that in a long time. For me, it was more that, you know, they say to save the things that mean a lot to you, but I have to tell you, I don't know. I'm not very profound on these kinds of things, but you're going to miss everything. You're going to miss your favorite sweater. You're going to miss those shoes that you finally found your favorite pair of shoes or that necklace that always went with that blouse. Oh, you don't have that blouse anymore. So the fact that they were two things relating to me and not things that she would get use out of. That's what, you know, hit me hard, you know, because I would have really liked her to have her things. But like we were fine, you know, our house was fine. Our the fire didn't come near us, you know? So it's just one of those weird things, you know, like it really hits you <laughs> when someone hands you something like that. So, yeah. So today is Sober 50 Thursday. What's been your experience with the Sober 50 community? I stumbled upon Sober 50 about the time I started streaming. I think their account wasn't very old either because this was a little over two years ago. I'm not sure when it started. It felt kind of new at the time. I think Instagram does that, kind of suggests other new folks to you about the same age as your account. I'm 49 now. I'm 49 and a half almost, so I'm not even 50, <laughs> full disclosure. But I, you know, it starts think kind of bubbling up in my mind, like, oh, I'm going to be 50. I'm one of those people that embraces things. Yes, they make me nervous. The stigma of things makes me, sometimes makes me a little nervous. How I do everything, I get really nervous about it. So if I am, I barrel ahead at it because I just want to get it over with in a way. And so that was one of the things, like when I saw that it was related to being 50, I was like, well, this is kind of popping up into my head a little bit lately. And the first post I saw was the one on menopause. And I just, the comments were just so honest and funny and heartfelt. I'm not going through menopause, but I really appreciated hearing these women's like truths, you know, and there's the things they were revealing. And it felt like the most honest comment section I'd ever seen. You know, like I really, really liked it. And um, I really love honesty. I don't do not think of it as something mean when someone's honest. I don't think of it as something to shy away from. I really like it. I'm a very 
blunt person, unfortunately. I try, I try not to be, but I am. And I'm very honest. And so I really like that. And that's where I found them. And I, I've been following them ever since. And I love, I love what they represent for the community. I love the inclusiveness of it and how they encourage people. And I love that everybody on there is an every person. You know, they're not, it's not a polished models account, <laughs> you know, and I like that. I don't really gravitate towards that kind of content anyway. I really like seeing real people. And I love the encouragement and the cheering and all that. So that's my experience so far. The topics are very organic. That's what I mean by that is what exactly you've said is that it's real people, real topics, honest conversations and being supportive. Yeah. And things that you actually want to talk about and things you actually want to do. And it's grown so big that even if it's not a topic that maybe is for everybody, it's going to touch a lot of people no matter what, because we're all like, there's someone's thinking about it. It's very real that way. So I like that a lot. They use stories to save particular topics. So you can always find things there if you haven't been watching at the time. One of the things I love about the So Over 50 account too, is how they teach people how to use the technology available to them. I think that that is so incredibly useful for anybody. Nobody knows how to do something without learning how to do it first. (laughs) I really stress that with my own stuff because sometimes people don't want to ask, how do you do that? All the technology topics are saved in their stories. Exactly. That's so great because I've actually gone back and referred to them myself. Like, oh, I've been kind of nervous on how to do this stories thing. And I know so over 50 has done a little post. And I really, I really like that because it makes it less, oh, am I going to be filming myself? And are people going to see me right now? (laughs) But you know, then I know, oh, that's not going to happen or whatever. When I look at those, those tutorials are great. Sandy's been instrumental in developing a lot of those technology topics. Yeah, that's that's stuff that's so, um, it's ever-changing and it, I just feel like, and it's different for each person because of whatever device or computer they're using and um, it can just feel a little daunting. That is really great. And with Instagram changing, they will always put topics about what the changes are as well. That's great. I noticed there's been another update lately and there's just, more features. Yes. There's more and more features. Honestly, all I really wished Instagram would do is bring back chronological posts. I really miss chronological posts. Uh, it was so much better then. You could never miss anybody's stuff then, but I liked that. For anyone who's thinking about following Sober 50, what advice would you give them? The hashtags. Well, I think what I really like about Sober 50 is they're always featuring different people. And so you're bound to see someone eventually doing something you're interested in or something you like to do, or maybe something you want to learn about. And, you know, you can tap on the screen, look at that person's username and follow them or look in the the comments. But the hashtags are really great. There's a lot of them with Sober50. I'm terrible about looking all of them up. They always save the hashtags as well in their stories. Hashtags, I think when I describe how to use those to folks and they realize it, 
it's like this light bulb, you know, like, Oh, this is so great. And it's as a sewist, you know, you could look up just the hashtag of the garment you're going to be sewing and see it on a multitude of different shapes and sizes and ages of people. And I think that that's immensely helpful, especially you can read their comments and say, do three of them say I had trouble putting the sleeve on maybe something's wrong with the pattern, you know, so over 50 has a lot of really great specific hashtags uh, devoted to certain topics and challenges. And I think that if you're kind of new to sewing and new to Instagram and you're kind of trying to figure out who to follow or what to do, I would do that. I would look at hashtags or the search function and just see what pops up because you'll kind of stay in a safe area of sewing related things and probably the genre that you like and you won't get paired off into a weird direction of stuff you probably don't want to get involved in or exposed <laughs> to, you know, because there's a lot of crazy stuff out there too. <laughs> so do you want me to read out what the current challenge is for November, seeing as though we're in November yes, now? I don't know what it is. So that'd okay. be great. Or maybe I do and I just don't remember, but yeah. Okay. So for November, the November challenge is supporting small businesses. Oh, I just saw that. Yes. Yep. Okay. So in case people have missed it, because, you know, we don't get them in chronological order. Times are tough and we can make a choice to help small businesses stay afloat and give them a fighting chance to rebound when we emerge from the global pandemic. Together with Linton Tweeds, So Over 50 is encouraging the sewing community to purchase from and promote small businesses during November. Have you ever had a burning desire to make a hashtag little French jacket? You could sew this garment from one of the three major prizes from Linton Tweeds to promote shopping small businesses around the world. So this is a challenge that actually has a prize this time. Oh, wow. Here's what you do to enter the challenge. So number one, all sewers are eligible. So it's for everybody, inclusive. What more could you ask for, right? Exactly. <laughs> and there are two hashtags to use for this one. So it's hashtag sew50shopsmallbusiness. So it's so as in SO. And I'll have all these details on the blog post. And also use the hashtags over 50. Then the last thing you need to do is to purchase fabric, notions, haberdashery or services either online or in person from a small business and tag them. And tag the small business? Yes, exactly. And you said it's a specific project. So it's the little French jacket? Well, that's an example. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. So it's an example. It doesn't have to be the hashtag little French jacket. Oh, I see. That's if you want to win the prize from Linton Tweeds. Okay. Okay, cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. How fun. It's kind of a good month long thing to do. So in the States, we have something called Small Business Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done it for a few years. I did it as a business for a long time, but now I've forgotten what it was. It is kind of nice to just kind of start the whole November thinking of small businesses. So the prizes, there are three prizes of two meters of couture fabric from Linton Tweed's website. There's one prize for the UK, one prize for people who live in Europe, and a prize for the rest of the world. This is an inclusive challenge. That's great. Yeah. What you also need to do is identify your location when you put your post. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a, a challenge with a prize on So Over 50. Well, the challenges don't have a prize. This is the first time. Oh, it is. Okay, then. Yeah. Very exciting. So when you put your post up, you have to identify if you are putting your entry in for the UK prize, the Europe prize, or the rest of the world prize. The other part of this challenge for the whole of November, so up until the 30th of November, 
you can use the code SOOVER50 to get a 15% discount from Linton Tweeds. So you can get 15% off. There's a SOOVER50 code that you can use. That's great. On Linton Tweed. That sounds nice. That's what's happening with this month's November challenge for SOOVER50. That's great. That sounds like a good one. I'm glad that we could include the challenge in your podcast. Yeah, me too. I keep wanting to do more of those challenges. You're so busy with your live streaming. I am, but it's, uh, it's fun to join in on those. I've definitely done a couple. It's usually just because I've planned things out already. You know how it is. Like if you don't have the stuff for a project, you just can't just drop everything. <laughs> I don't have a lot of sponsored streams. I'd, I'd love to, but um, when I do, I try and do them when I'm supposed to do them. <laughs> I really respect that. For November, it is Thanksgiving here in the States and I think the third week of November. I won't stream that week. I'm doing a sample sale uh, this month as well. The upcoming things I do want to sew in the very near future are, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but I want to make a portable litter box for my go bag. And my a go bag, for anyone who doesn't know, is just what you grab when you need to be evacuated. I've never done a capsule wardrobe, but I want to do one for my go bag because I hate having to have one of those. And I feel like that would make it more fun. And I want things that don't wrinkle. They're comfortable that I want to wear. So I'm not just wearing all the dregs of my wardrobe, you know, Yeah. and it to be a couple of seasons because it can be really hot here or cold. I do know of two sponsored streams coming up, but I, I can't really say what they are quite yet. I like to make sure it's in my hands just so I don't get anyone's hopes up. But I do think that there's going to be a couple of really great seasonal items there. I think that's pretty much what I have planned right now. I'm already thinking about December because we do a bunch of gift streams. So gift making types of things. I try and find patterns that are free or inexpensive or easy to get. And we make things that are gift oriented for folks who like to sew for the holidays and gift giving. And I'm also going to do one of the, like a week where we finish everything we have unfinished. I know we need more than a week for that. One of my viewers told me, he calls it FFO, finally finished objects. I'm going to do a finally finished objects week. The last two months of the year, there's streams get tight because there's fewer weeks to do it. But then winter starts and we have some winter sewing and and a lot of my viewers, they're all over the world. Some of them, they're living in Sweden and Scotland and it's cold and snowy and raining and here it was 80 degrees today and sunny and beautiful so and it's fall so (laughs) it's hard to take that balance of garments for peeling everybody at the where they're at geographically you know exactly it's hard to make a little french jacket in sydney in february when it's hot and humid (laughs) i know exactly exactly. what that's all about exactly that's not going to be the fabric that's on the shelves right now no (laughs) definitely not yeah, I'm going to look that jacket up though. Okay. I've been doing a lot of quick how-to videos and uploading them. That's been kind of fun for me. So that's another thing that I'll probably squeeze in. People seem to really like those. They're dedicated to like one little topic. Like I just did one on French seams on inseam pockets and French seaming a set-in sleeve, collar and a collar stand, things like that. So I've been doing like very dedicated, you know, little how-tos on steps that people, they're kind of nervous about. And I really love 
that kind of sewing. One thing I really want that kind of sewing to be more accessible and, and people want more comfortable with it because that's the kind of sewing I like to do and I feel like it's the kind of clothes we like to wear. I love, love sewing jeans. We're gonna sew jeans, that's right. We decided today I'm gonna make the Ames jeans by a cashmerette. That's on the ticket probably this month as well. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on to Selgon Style Podcast. You've given us a lot of great information about what you do and it's been really interesting to hear how you've got a go-to bag based on where you live and how you've got to deal with having to evacuate as part of where you live. And thank you also for letting us know how you've enjoyed being part of the Sober 50 community. Thank you so much for having me, Marie. I really appreciate it. Have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of So Organised Style Podcast for Sober 50 was produced by me, Maria Theoharis, with permission of Seremi. Sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Style Podcast, spelled with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, and from all good podcast distributors. Post any questions or podcast suggestions you have on our podcast Instagram or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.